Blog Talk Radio. Brought to you by Pro 10 International and Pro 10 Global Sports. Today is Sunday, January 19th, very, very early in the morning. And we can uh, thank our guests today for that, for this very special time. Uh, if you are up this early here in the States, you can call us at 347-637-1197. If you are listening in India, you can uh, contact us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Pro 10 and twitter.com slash Pro 10. Unless you want to call us at 347-637-1197, but good luck with that one. So uh, this morning we are uh, we have a very special guest, uh, somebody that's very uh, close and dear dear to my heart and to my family's heart. She is a former top 100 WTA tennis player, Asian Games silver medalist back in 06, uh, Indian number one Fed Cup leader, and she's uh, the Eva Athlete of the Year in 2007, and as one half of the dynamic Uberoy sisters, and I kind of gave it away on that one, uh, she is, uh, was the first woman in India to qualify for the, uh, for the U.S. Open, reached the second round in 2004, uh, was uh, the top 10 fastest servers in the world, and uh, was India's, is India's top 10 most glamorous athletes. She recently earned her bachelor's degree from Princeton University, uh, majoring in anthropology and minoring in South Asian studies. She graduated with high academic standing while winning Princeton's prestigious Kit Harris Memorial Award for Leadership and Ethics. Uh, she launched her media and lifestyle company, SDU Siva Incorporated, in 2013, and is currently creating and producing international social issue television shows and is a social entrepreneur. She speaks internationally at various diplomatic conferences on female empowerment through sport. She has uh, recently been invited to sit on the board of directors of World Economic Forums, uh, Global Shapers Initiative for Bhopal, and she is also a news and sports presenter and coaches all levels of tennis and fitness. So this morning, please help me welcome to the show, Shikha Yubari. Shikha, good morning, or good evening for you. How are you? Good morning slash good evening, Alex. It's such a pleasure to be on the show and to hear you again after so long. Uh, thank you for that really nice, long, lengthy bio. It's pretty much summarizes yeah. my life and <laughs> 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 what I'm going to be doing and what I've done and what I'm currently doing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you haven't been busy at all. No. <laughs> You know, I think once you once you're used to putting in so many hours in a day, you kind of need to have that energy uh, dispersed in different uh, activities through the day. So, might as well take that to a global level and an academic level, right? 
I think everyone here needs to slow down, but uh, absolutely. <laughs> so first, you know, congratulations on getting a degree from Princeton. That's a huge uh, accomplishment for, for anybody. Um, so let's start there. How Thank hard you. was it to make that, that decision to, uh, to put that in society and return to college? Well, that, that's, a, that's a very heavy question. That's a personal and a deep question, and I'm, I'm glad you asked it because uh, you kind of have to do this both before you make the decision to play pro tennis or go to college for all the youngsters out there, and then you do it again as to knowing you know when to retire. Uh, it, it was a very painful decision. It was a very slow process, if you remember, Alex. You know, I remember. first emotionally, yeah, first emotionally, you're there through a lot of that, those tears, uh, as well as you know, um, figuring out figuring out what it is exactly I want to do. First, trying and and realizing, hey, is this is this something I really can commit to doing and actually hang up my rackets for a bit? Uh, maybe if I convince myself that it's just short term or you know, and it's interesting because I call myself semi-retired because I think that process is still being debated in my head. You know, I, I still would like to play some doubles um, in a year or so, depending on the launch of these television shows. So a part of me, it's like it, it's still not done. I don't think you can ever stop being a professional athlete at some level. It's, it's, it's your identity. But to put it on hold for so long, for three years, and uh, and just know that I'm not going to be playing tournaments, not going to be waking up early in the morning to train with you, uh, was definitely a very emotional and difficult decision. Yeah, I remember. I remember. But, <laughs> you know, a lot of players go through the struggle and, so the transition, uh, once you actually got to college and, and transitioning from there, from playing full-time to now studying full-time, how, how long did it take you to actually get used to this? Hey, now I'm shooting full-time. Yeah, so, uh, right, so Princeton, after leaving the Pro Tour, is not exactly a walk in the park, you know, I mean, no. it's like leaving from <laughs> one, one cutthroat uh, sort of institution to another extremely cutthroat institution, and at two different levels, right? Because one, it's the physical grind and gruel of the WTA tour, and then it's the academic grind and gruel of, of Princeton University. The thing was, I think I, I knew that I would be all right. I knew mentally I'd be okay. I'd be able to jump back into swing of things. I think the idea was to do the best I could to keep my emotions out of it and not feel like this, oh gosh, what have I done? Have I made this choice or that choice? Just get to campus and hit the ground running. Just walk in knew I was there for a purpose. I was there to explore myself and get a degree. Really know what else there is to Chicago beyond tennis player because I'd only known that identity for so long. But going back, you know, I was making the decision to start hosting television, start creating television. And so I had that vision and I had that mission. And I think what happens is with tennis is when you're trying to be the best in the world, it's easy, easy to translate that uh, desire and drive to the next goal that you're doing, which was I want to be the best daytime TV show uh, host in the world. So I was starting to call myself, or Neha, my younger sister, was starting to call myself Oprah Chopra. Uh, so that, that name sort of is, is the name of the dream and the goal of what I'd like to be doing at some point when the time is right, and then all the uh, steps to take to get there, like launching my own television show, getting on TV, and... and you know, anchoring some sports in India, empowering young girls and boys through sports, through any sort of medium that there is. So everything is in step for this ultimate goal for me. And that's how I'm used to living my life, and I think Princeton was very much a part of that step. 
Absolutely. Tell us about the, the Kit Harris Memorial Award. Uh, congratulations on receiving that award. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, that was a that was a really really big honor. Uh, there's myself and just uh, two or three other students at Princeton University who got that award. Uh, so I guess during my time there, uh, I, I had, took a lot of. Uh, I did a lot. I did a lot on that campus. I really enjoyed it, and I and I must have taken a leadership sort of position there, uh, which I guess was something I didn't realize that was part of me and came natural to me. I, I started a lot of groups and clubs and took them to a global level, a lot of social issue things. Um, I was also leaders and president of a, a lot of these groups uh, and and uh, this international inter, interfaith council, this interfaith religious council was something that was very near and dear to me and opened a lot of doors for me because for me peace through interfaith is very I know you'd know that Alex because you know we often went to church together Sunday mornings um, and you know I'm a, I'm a devout Hindu and Sikh so it was very easy for me to appreciate all, all spiritual people all good people and plus the donuts are really good at that church so. <laughs> just saying <laughs> you like those yes I remember yeah, so that was definitely a great honor to win that award. Something I was really proud of uh, to have, you know, to be recognized for for ethics and leadership. That was really cool. I didn't I didn't realize that Princeton was looking at me like that. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, and I know you. I, I could see you being really involved and not just kicking back and taking your your basic classes and skating by. Uh, so I was happy to see you graduate and, and accomplish that goal. Uh, talk real quick about graduation day. How excited were you to just, you know, do the walk and, and actually graduate from Princeton? Oh, man, I'm getting, like, all emotional just talking about that, Alex. I mean, you know what it what it is is sometimes in tennis you could work and work and work and you could still lose first round at tournaments. You might not even get to the tournaments. And with this, with Princeton, it was like I worked and worked and worked. And, you know, I made straight A's my senior year, and I was – I was hustling. I was trying so hard, and the anticipation and the uh, the wait for that run onto that field, right, where the class of 13 runs together hand in hand, and we storm this field. We were shouting in the gates, you know, like you could hear the echo of all of us together as a class of 13 running. And for me, I think that's what winning a Grand Slam feels like, just the way I ran on the field. And the most beautiful aspect of that was that Neha graduated with the class of 12. So she walked on the field and staggered last so she could hold my hand because we're the next group to come in. So she, she, she waited for the class of 12, you know, and sort of slowly didn't quite leave the field. So she waited for me to get up to her and catch up to her, and we stormed the field together hand in hand. And uh, that was such a special moment. Like, it was such a high. It was such an exhilaration. I, I, I screamed. I was screaming. I was yelling. I was so emotional, you know, to get a degree to graduate is something so special, and that too from Princeton, that too with your sister after going through so many ups and downs in life and graduating at 30 years old was a, a really special moment, something I'll never forget. Definitely my top five all-time memories. That is awesome. I hadn't heard that story before. That is so cool. Well, <laughs> really cool. So real quick, talking to uh, some of the young players out there, you know, I, I coach a lot of these young kids, and and some have talent yeah. and are contemplating, you know, do I go to college, do I do I play professional tennis, and some think, well, you know, this college is always there, so I'd rather go to college first, I mean, I'd rather play tennis first, or, or I can use college to 
to uh, kind of springboard myself into professional tennis. Uh, what advice do you have for someone who's contemplating whether to turn pro or to go to college? You know, that's a really tough question, and I'm and I'm going to jump right into it by first with just caveating this whole thing by saying it depends individual to individual. So whatever I say, please don't don't take it you know as set in stone. It's it's person to person and situation to situation. So on one hand, you could see, all right, if you're top 10 in the country in under 18s or in 16s, it's probably a good idea to give it a whirl. If you've been already playing some 10Ks and 25Ks, uh, you know, across the country. That being said, you know, there were some top 300, uh, top 400 girls who were already, you know, committed to going to Stanford or whatever university on a full scholarship, uh, knowing that they could probably make it into top 200, top 100. And the reason why I say that is because you got to figure out what you want. And if you're in that position to be able to play some 10Ks and get started, you're going to realize that it can be a pretty boring life, right? It can be really grinding. It can be really boring. So definitely have a look before you make the decision. That's one thing I'll say to everybody. Don't just make the decision without ever trying. You have an idea of what college is going to give you. You know what high school is like, but you know what the tour is like. So play a few 10Ks and get it out there and know how you're faring and doing. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to say was that sometimes college, and I'm a big proponent of this, one or two years of college really develop you and shape you and give you a lot of confidence suddenly that you might want to go out on the tour after two or three years or after four years of college. Uh, the, the, the risk with that is, is are you going to finish? Are you going to come back and get that degree? I'm living proof that, you know, that can happen. You can come back and finish your degree and have an amazing experience the second time around. Um, so you can always gauge yourself with the, you know, the, the ranking system and using that as to sort of guide you. But more than anything, use your own experiences from playing a little bit of these tournaments to guide you and seeing are you really going to develop? Or is this something you really want to be doing day in and day out for the next few years? Because it's Professional tennis players, especially in the early, in the very early stages, needs to be prepared to lose once a week. If you can't handle losing once a week in the beginning, you're, you're in for a tough ride. Probably not the same. Kind of mixed, yeah. mixed advice there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tough players. Uh, you know, when they come in, are you ready to lose a lot? <laughs> and they look at me like right. I have two heads. But it's like, hey, you start off with 32 players in the tournament and only one winner. Right. So you better be ready, you know, because it's not going to happen every week. Right. As we know, right. we went through it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. Definitely tough. <clears throat> so you actually started uh, Princeton uh, when when your freshman year and they decided to play tennis full-time. Yeah, 2000, 2001 is when I started. Um, you know, I think my decision to to leave Princeton or to want to go to Princeton is, stems from a couple of different aspects. One, I'm South Asian, I'm Indian American, so academics are really important in our family and our culture. Um, so not only did was there sort of expectations to be performing athletically in our household, in the Oberoi household, getting straight A's, um, getting into the best universities uh, was also expected. So that that thing was always twofold. The thing was, I was 17 or 16 when I got into Princeton. I, I actually didn't finish high school. I, I went in as a junior in high school and got my high school degree while finishing my freshman year at Princeton. Uh, the, the thing with that was, yes, I was a top junior under 16s 
without playing many 16 and under tournaments. I didn't play any 18 and unders. I played a couple ITFs here and there. But my family realized that my body type developed very, very slowly. I wasn't as big as a lot of the other Russian girls where I wasn't as tall. And the idea to go to college was to, for two reasons. One, there's more to life than tennis. Um, so get that foot in the door, complete that year. Two, definitely continue your training. It won't be as intense. It's Princeton. It's not Stanford, right, where Stanford is a very academic, uh, athletic school as well. Princeton, you know, the girls would play about an hour, an hour and a half a day, which I was used to playing eight hours a day. So it was a risk. It was a major risk that uh, the family took that could the tennis go down in a year. Uh, and, it, and it did. I got, I got injured. I put on weight. And it was a tough decision, but I was able to come back out of it because I think my body and my mind were still maturing. So I might have even gotten away with doing two years at Princeton before coming out, but I'm glad I did it exactly how, how uh, my family and I decided to do it. Yeah, it worked out, <coughs> it worked out very, very well. Um, now, let's talk a little bit of tennis. <laughs> uh, you know, we have this thing called the Grand yeah. Slam going on right now, first Grand Slam of the year. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of caught a little glimpse of that uh, on an outfit. Uh, have you had a chance to watch any of it? Uh, any thoughts on that so far? I'm I'm not been watching too much of it. You know the hours and whatnot, and my my sort of business meetings and through the days hold me from it. Uh, but I've been I, I saw the upset today. Uh, I saw the news of the upset today with Anna Ivanovic and uh, and Serena Williams and. I, I'm happy for Anna on one hand. You know, I'm a, I'm a big Serena Williams sisters fan. I really thought Serena was going to go all the way this tournament. But um, Anna, you know, she's such a nice girl. She's such a good human being, in my opinion. Um, I've known her for some time. And I'm, I'm happy for her because she's had quite a few ups and downs in her career. So it's nice. This is a big thing. It's a big message. I, I hope that she has the ability to, con- you know, set the standard and hold on to it consistently through the rest of the tournament because it would be wonderful for me to see her win. Uh, I know she has a lot of fans. Um, so she's definitely one of my choices now uh, for, for going all the way. Yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that, was, that was definitely a good win. So on that note, yeah. we're going to take a small break and then come back okay. to Sheikha here. So don't you go away. Hold on one second. We'll be right back. We're here asking people from all over what they think of lifting green tea. Let's hear what people from Texas have to say. Mm-mm. How about China? Mm. Germany? Mm. How about people from the North Pole? Mm. Or Mars? <laughs> it, what about mimes? Oh, right. People with their jaws wired shut? Oh. Yeah, a barbershop quartet. Mm. Oh, you guys are great. How about race car drivers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what about you, high school glee club, here on a field trip? Mm-hmm. Well, that settles it. It sounds like everyone loves the taste of Lipton green tea. With its protective antioxidants from real tea, it's not just good for you, it's mmm to you. Lipton tea can do that. ShowTennisExpress.com and gear up with the apparel and footwear the pros will be wearing down under. For that stylish look, try Maria Sharapova's premier Maria tunic dress and half-zip training top. Shop all new Nike gear at TennisExpress.com.
the Donne racket is solid inside. It's not a hollowed out racket at all. So when, when the ball hits the racket, it doesn't wobble. It holds firm in your hand. But because of the thin beam, it really moves through the air effortlessly and it's been no adjustment at all. It's a seamless transition for me. Looking recently for a racket with a little bigger sweet spot, a little bit more power, but I didn't want to give up the control that I need. That's what the Donne has done for me. So if you want to try out a Donne racket, go exclusively online to tenniswarehouse.com. To celebrate the not normal Mini Cooper, we hired an expert to tell you about Mini telepathically. Greetings. Relax and listen to my mind. The Mini Cooper hardtop comes with 37 MPG and co-cart handling. Wait, that's not telepathy. Listen again. The bigger four-door Mini Countryman has seating for five. Okay, you're just whispering. You're still paying me for this. Come see the 37 MPG Mini Cooper hardtop and the bigger Mini Countryman today. Visit miniusa.com slash info for MPG details. The thing is, everyone wants to save money on their car insurance. You asking if they want a free Geico quote's like asking if they want free oh, pie and chips. Of course they want free pie and chips. It's pie with chips for free. But pie and chips, uh, you can get them anywhere. Geico quotes made from scratch just for you. Only at geico.com. Geico, 15... New York. New York, the toughest of the majors and impossible to predict the champion. Rafael Nadal's got to be the favorite with his Babolat Aero Pro Drive GT and Nike Air Cord Ballistic 2.3s. Then there's Roger Federer with his Wilson BLX 6-1 Tour and Nike Lunar Vapor Tours. Don't count out Andy Murray. He's on a hot streak right now with his head U-Tech Radical Pro and Adidas Barricade 6. Well, I don't know who's going to win the Open this year, but I do know I can get all the gear the pros wear at Tennis Warehouse, the ultimate equipment website. Right now, I'm in Mumbai, um, and you know this is the place to be because this is like the LA of of the U.S. with all the TV industries here. And you know, I was born and raised here as well. Went back and forth my whole life, so uh, that's why I represented India. Uh, so I'm I'm home basically. That's where I'm at. I'm home. I live here all the time. So I'm home. Let's, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that. We actually have a question. Uh, on Twitter, yeah. and uh, the question is, uh, <clears throat> what did it mean to you to represent India in uh, to represent your country playing tennis? Wow, uh, that there's nothing that can replace that honor of playing for your country, uh, for all these people that back you and support you just automatically because you come and you hail from the same place. I think there's something spectacular in every Fed Cup, every Asian Games, or every opportunity I got, you know, to hold a flag high. I think somehow or the other, some sort of higher power took over, and it's just it was because it's just such an energy. You want to do so well for everybody. They're all there with you, supporting you and cheering you, and um, it's an honor that you can't replace with anything else. 
I don't think it's an, any other feeling in the world is going to be able to replace that. And then in that exact opposite, having that stripped away from me in 2008, no longer being allowed to represent India, is something that I, I, I actually feel the burn and pain for like at least maybe let's say twice a month to this day. Uh, it's something that I, it bothers me so deeply um, and you know, you, you, you can't you can't take that from somebody. You know, you can't take away right. someone's country from them. You know, and uh, it's it, I just don't understand to this day what happened and why I can't represent India. You know, right. Sometimes politics takes over and it you know kind of stinks. But your yeah. career continues. Um, thinking back on your career, uh, what are some of the highlights that stand out in your mind and and actually make you smile when you think about it? Okay, um, I think winning my first 10,000 uh, 10K, you know, the ITF 10Ks, uh, I think it was in 2003, winning that first one, that was really precious because that's your first one. You know, that's the one that says, you know, gosh, I think I can really do this all the way. I think I could right. get there one day. And it materializes things like, oh, it validates all the effort and all the years and the sacrifice your family put and everything. Gosh, you did something at a professional level. So that was that's very special. That makes me smile. Uh, reaching the finals of um, the Sunfeast uh, 2005, I think it was 2005. Yeah, with Neha, it was a uh, WTA event in Kolkata. Uh, Neha and I reached the finals of that doubles. That was so much fun because again, you know, together to be there with Neha and you know, it really makes you feel like, geez, we're doing this, we're here, we're making it happen. Um, we got we really got crushed really badly in the finals. That's okay. I don't like to think about that match. I like to think <laughs> up to the finals. <laughs> but it's, it was always fun playing tennis with Neha. Just looking back at all these like the tournaments and the ups and downs and the laughter we had on the court, just cracking jokes that the umpires were listening to and would laugh behind us when we were playing doubles together. The ball ball kids couldn't hold their faces straight because they were listening to our conversations <laughs> and meanwhile we're winning matches you know like <laughs> those things make me smile you know those memories really make me smile <laughs> that, that is awesome yeah so it must have been uh, special to share this experience with your sister because she was also playing singles you guys were playing doubles together um yeah how special was that to, to share all those experiences with your sister you know, it's it's a very unique experience because not everybody on the ATP or WTA tour have siblings that they can, you know, validate everything with or, or enjoy with or grow together with. Uh, Mr. Williams often said that, you know, Serena wouldn't be as great as she was if it weren't for Venus and vice versa. You know, Venus wouldn't be as great as she was if it weren't for Serena. And I'm, and I'm a big believer of that. I don't think I would be uh, as good as I had gotten to without Neha. Um, right. she she decided to retire before me and that was like a piece of me felt like I was retiring um, you know when we play each other it was always so awkward in the beginning at these tournaments when we play against each other and then right with each other for the doubles right after it was so strange because I felt like that's my baby sister you know I don't want to be beating up on her but then I can't let her beat up on me that's my baby sister right. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, these are really interesting experiences that I don't think very many people can relate to, uh, except, you know, maybe the Williams sisters, the Bondarenko sisters, some of these, you know, uh, the Razwanska sisters who are on the tour now, and, of course, the Bryan brothers. You know, you're, you're right there winning together. You're you're an inbuilt team 
uh, you're born and raised together, and you know you're going to go all the way together. That's what you feel like. You feel like you got your family with you, and that's a special feeling. You don't feel as alone. Yeah. So a big shout out to Neha. What is what is she doing these days? Talk yeah. a little bit about that. So Neha is a big hotshot New York City manager. Uh, she's working in uh, at this startup called LocalVox, and she's doing exactly what she loves. Uh, it's, it's you know one of many things that she's doing as well. Uh, she also has this beautiful website, nehauberoy.com. She talks a lot about life, fitness, health, and nutrition, all of that on this uh, this website. Uh, definitely check it out. She's got beautiful pictures up there. Sometimes I take some of those pictures. I get really excited because she looks so beautiful. It's so easy for me one? to take pictures of her. Are those the glory pictures now? <laughs> no, she, she, you know how Neha is. Neha would be like, oh, take it again. She, she doesn't take any, <laughs> anything substandard, right? There's always a high expectation. So just like the best ones, those are the ones I took, right? <laughs> I love taking pictures of her. So, so you know, whenever, I, whenever she asks, I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And I get all creative and we do these little photo shoots and they, they go somewhere. So I feel good, you know? They're actually going to where people are reading and looking at these things, and she's got a lot of traffic on that. And that's just that's just like a hobby for her in, in a way. And then her, her job is, uh, you know, working hard at this at, at LocalVox, which is creating online platforms for a bunch of uh, clients and customers and stores and shops and own business owners. So she's working very hard. I think she's really cold right now in New York City. Well, I'm really hot right now in Bombay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so back to your tennis. Uh, in 2004, yeah. you had a, a a pretty good U.S. Open, from what I understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad. <laughs> you uh, you actually yeah. came through qualifying, right? You came through qualifying. Yes. And uh, and now you have the big matchup. You're facing uh, Venus. Um, yeah. What, what went through your mind? Can I just? Well, just to, just to get this, you know, facts right, I have to take. Uh, I want I want the yeah. credit for my my win over number fifty or whatever her ranking was, Sari Obata. That was my first round, oh, win. Yeah. And second round. That was that was an epic match. That was such an exciting match. And then when I won that match, yeah, I wasn't looking at the draw uh, during those those tournaments or matches uh, during during the U.S. Open. It was my debut U.S. Open. I got a wild card. I was ranked three hundred and I don't know what. I got a wild card uh, into the qualifying draw after winning three 10Ks in a row that summer in 2004. I got a wild card into the qualifying draw, ranked at 300 and something. Got through qualies, beating a lot of top players of, of, of the world at that time, you know, who had been top as well. And Kramer of Luxembourg being one of them. And then I said, okay, who do I play next? I didn't know any of these players. I didn't really know who they were. A big part of me felt that the ITF, you know, 50s and 10Ks and 25Ks were a lot more grueling and harder because my game was still developing at that time and people were hungrier there. And then I played Sari Obata and then Neha's like, guess who you play tomorrow? And she, you know, I'm like, oh my God, I played Venus. I was so excited, so excited. And, you know, the, the tournament director comes and asks me, you know, do you want to play, you know, uh, you know, on one of these sort of earlier times or... You know, and they weren't going to give Venus a side court, of course. She's Venus Williams, and I'm like, no, baby, give me prime time. I'm on Ash. I want this. I want this. You know, I think uh, this sort of exhibitionist sort of gene runs in our family. A lot of my family's in Bollywood too, so I'm I'm a showboat. If you give me a, if you give me a, sh- a stadium, I want to perform. 
<laughs> so I, I was eating that up. I really enjoyed that match. That was something special. And I like to think that it ended at 4-1 up. So we don't need to talk about the rest of it. <laughs> no, we we'll won't talk about the rest. You were ahead. Yes, I appreciate it. <laughs> and then the match ended. <laughs> In my and head, the match ended. Ends. <laughs> Miraculously, it just finished. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what a what a great run and, and experience for for a young player at that point in your career to uh, to have that kind of run at the U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, you know, um, the, and that's it. Sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, then then you sort of realize, okay, you've made it somewhat, right? Like you're in, you're you, you're in the front door. Now you got to explore and get to the master bedroom, right? That's, that's what you need to do. And, and that's, that's the thing, you know, uh, the, the following year, you know, I was able to more than defend. I was able to, you know, get higher and higher ranked um, because that's always the pressured part. When you're nobody, nobody knows who you are, you can be up 4-1 against Venus because she's never seen you play, right? She doesn't really know who you are. I mean, in this case, she knew who I was because we both trained in South Florida. But it's always hard to defend the next year, right? So... I was I was really proud of myself for 2005. Actually, 2004 was awesome. It was a, such an effort and grind to break through and open that door. That one wild card is pretty much all I got to to this day, you know. And I, I took full advantage of it. One shot is what I got, and I was able to make a career out of that. Uh, thanks to the USTA. USTA gave me that wild card to the uh, qualifying. Um, so the next year is where it's really important because now it shifts. You're not this new kid on the block. You have to defend. People know your number. They know what you play like. They know what the weaknesses are in your family life, in your tennis life. You know, they see you every day on the tour. So, uh, you know, to be able to come out there and say, hey, this is who I am. This is my sister. We're here to contend. You know, you're, you're, you're entering into this pecking order, this, you know, with all these girls. And um, that was an interesting year, very interesting year. Because then you start becoming a regular Right, you were just a flash in the pan. You're regular. You made it. You're doing it, and you're hanging tough in this. You have a lot more to prove the second year than you do the first time you make it. Right. I remember uh, we had a show last week talking about the Australian Open, and and one of the players that came up uh, was Melanie Udan. And remember yeah. when we were on tour together, we saw her, and and she was having success, and uh, and we see her do well at the at uh, Wimbledon and the, uh, in the U.S. Open, and you and I both thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now you have to go back and defend that. You know, you right. Have to defend all, and, and we kind of felt scared for her because we're like, man, can you do that? You know, because we, we saw her on right. the board and we, and, uh, you know, I remember talking to her coach and, and then not really having a, a strategy as far as her development and, and I got a little scared and sure enough, she's still kind of struggling to get back and I feel bad for her. I hope she gets back. But it is tough to come back and yeah. once you do well. That's it. That's exactly right. That's the toughest part, actually. People people get excited with the glamour of the first big boom, but the, the battle is only one little piece of the big war, right? So it's something that I think that can be uh, understood by even juniors, you know, and they have a great win. That's wonderful. Now you got to keep it up. So that's, that's, right. that's a mental... That's a mental toughness right there. It's not just, oh, are you mentally tough to do it once? Can you do it over and over, but then get better and better? That's why you got to respect people who are, you know, top ten in the world and how they've gotten there. And and how they stay there, you know, how they stay there and keep And how they stay there. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. 
So let's shift a little bit and give some juniors uh, some advice here, because as you know, I deal with a lot of uh, these young young kids, and and uh, and uh, we talk a lot about discipline and what it takes to be successful just at any level. Everything is just want to be number one on your tennis team in high school. Uh, one of the things I, I and I use you as an example because you you use it a lot, and that's keeping a notebook. You know, keeping a notebook of your practices, of your matches. And I remember you going back and, you know, for years and, and looking at notes of what you used to correct a forehand or a backhand and bringing back some of those uh, notes to help you currently. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the discipline of keeping a notebook or anything that you used uh, discipline-wise that these juniors can use yeah. in their careers? Yeah, no, that's really great. And and the great thing now is it doesn't have to be a physical notebook. It can be on your iPad. It could be somewhere right. on the cloud. It could be... <laughs> So, and it's just awesome because you can, you know, you feel comfortable typing. But the the point is, wherever you choose, you know, to type or write, um, it's so great to get out what you're feeling, what your results were, and what your coaches are telling you. Right? It's it's all three on one piece of paper. And what, looking at that piece of paper or writing it down really shifts your perspective because now, from an emotional standpoint of oh, I keep losing matches, right? You, you, you can actually see and trace what the deal was. Oh, great, I keep winning. I had so many forehands, and this is what made me win, right? So you're able to, one, trace your steps, trace what's going on, um, and also understand on a single piece of paper all three complexities of different people's perspectives coming on, yours and your emotions, now your coach and your family and your parents, right? So the more you can write, be it emotion, be it... Um, how you're feeling, be it um, your results, how well you did today in practice, and your goals for tomorrow's practice, or your ideas for drills with your coach for tomorrow's practice, the more content you put on there, the more you can trace back later, the more you can make a pattern. See, the thing is, we just talked about trying to figure out how to make a method to this madness of exploding onto the scene, being 4-1 up against Venus, and the next year, defending that and getting better. It's got to be in the journal because there's a pattern that you can start, you know, following in the journals. Like, oh, wow, I had great match statistics here, great forehands. Oh, man, from 2005 to 2006, my forehand improved so much, right? Or I stopped doing this one drill, and this one drill is what led to my forehand development. So the more detailed you can be, the better. And the more you can keep going back to, the better for all your uh, future activity and growth. Now, today... Instead of a tennis journal, I have a success journal, right? So it's the same thing when I'm looking at what I'm doing, my plans of action, how much time I'm going to give this venture, when, when do you think I need to you know, get a round of funding, who do I need to approach now, keep all my phone numbers, who have been helpful. Because you can always thank all the people later you know, who really helped you along the way. That's really important in a success journal and a tennis journal, actually. And a tennis journal, exactly. Now, yeah. you... Uh... <laughs> I was going to say, you know, you uh, impressed me with, you know, I hear a lot of players and, and a lot of, um, and I put this on quote, quote, unquote, pro players that we get in that just don't have the discipline. And you can tell right away, even if there are 500, 400 in the world, who's going to truly make it according to their discipline um, right. and journal, and especially uh, with their diet. You know, can you talk a little bit about yeah. how important it is to keep a, a good uh, diet and watch what you eat so that you have enough energy and putting the stuff in your body to be able to perform? 
Right. No, that's that's critical. I think what people don't realize, one, is injuries can so be prevented with proper diet. I think we think injuries, we think, oh, body image, uh, weight, and muscle, right? Those are the first three things. We never think of injuries being related to that. The only injury I ever had, um, uh, one was a growth injury in my, in my shoulder, but when I actually turned pro, the only injury I ever had was asthma, right, which is something you can sort of learn to uh, monitor more so than just get rid of. So that, that was always very painful. But I, I have to say so much of the diet, uh, all the different types of diets I've been on, I eventually did find what works for me the best. Uh, it's so critical. So, you know, it's not just about sleeping early, keeping a journal. Play, playing professional tennis and being an elite athlete is a completely different lifestyle. You're very alone in that. You know, you you, you got to do such different things. When you're out with your friends for lunch, let's say you got a lunch off, and they're going, hey, join us for pizza, Shika. I'm going to get a salad because I want to be number one in the world, right? Every decision that I make, really, I'm not going to take a bite of their pizza. I don't want it. I don't want it. I want to be number one in the world because everything I do from waking up, brushing my teeth at night is for that. How I dream, what I visualize right before I sleep. Everything in my existence was to be number one in the world and is to be the best Oprah Chopra now, right? So it's like you can't, you can't have it all. If you're going to choose to have this, you know, title and image professional athlete, you got to pay the price, and it's a lot of discipline. I think people don't really realize how to make discipline work for them, right, and, and how to really see the value of it, uh, especially, especially as we get more and more lazy, you know, with more technology in America. It's easy to get distracted. Wait, someone tweeted me. Wait, someone Facebooked me. Wait, I got an SMS. No, phones shut off when you're on the court, you know. When, when it's time to eat, you, you eat right. You know, everything has a purpose. Everything you do has that, is a step towards that ultimate purpose. And if you can't see that, and if you can't value that, don't be a professional tennis player, any sort of professional anything, because everything is related to everything towards that ultimate goal. Right. right. And, you know, on that note, a lot of these uh, young young tennis players that, that have the dream of, of being professional athletes, I always tell them, you know, it's, a good, it's always a good idea, uh, but putting into, into action is something totally different. Uh, and mm-hmm. accepting that responsibility of what you want to do. Um, at what age did you realize or did you start dreaming of, of being a top player in the world? Were you pretty young or was it after you actually started playing professional tournaments? I think I was around 11 or 12 because I grew up both in Juhu and Bombay here and, and Princeton, New Jersey. And my dad, uh, we, would, we would go up to the U.S. Open quite a lot. And I, I, I love Sabatini because uh, she had my skin tone, uh, or rather I had her skin tone, and uh, I love Steffi Graf, right, because Steffi is just so amazing. And I, I'd look at them, I think, and by the time I was 11 or 12, I said, I, I want to be like them. I want to be just like them. And it's, and, and it's cool because the dream actually happened, right, uh, right. in 2004. But that's when I realized this is what I want to do. Before that, I was about five or six when I started first playing tennis. And then showed a lot of promise by the age of, I think, eight, nine. So I, that's when I think uh, we started waking up before school to play tennis, um, doing 
staying late until 10.30 at night on the tennis court, you know, very, very young, you know, eight, nine years old, so he's putting that much commitment into it. But I, then I realized, you know, at 11, 12, I want to be like Steffi Graf, and then it took another level, right? Then I, then I upped the ante on, on the effort, on the discipline or whatever. I think I'm, I'm wired a little different to a lot of people, even within my own family, and how hard I, like, want to train, and when I want something, I get, like, really obsessive about something. But you have to be, right? You're doing something right. so abnormal. You're taking, you know, a five, six-year-old girl, and, you know, you, you want to be a professional tennis player, you know, when, you know the number one in the world when she's 21, 22. It, it's, it's weird. It's really weird. You've got to be thinking weird and crazy, and you can't really care t- to be normal. You don't want to be normal. You want to be cool and the exception to everything. That's how I've been able to understand and sort of resolve all, like, oh, I didn't have a childhood. Oh, I didn't have this. I really don't care. I wanted to be number one in the world. I tried to do something, you know, and, and I think I still will with some doubles. So, well, you know, you, you, <laughs> definitely, you, definitely weren't, you definitely weren't normal, so congratulations on that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alex. <laughs> I knew you were going to take that in a different direction. <laughs> You know, for for <clears throat> people that don't know, Sheikha and I have, have some history. She actually spent two years uh, living in my house, eating my food, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, it was it was an awesome experience. My family loves her. My kids call her sister, and uh, we had we had a good run um, and some good times. Um, and you know, on that, yeah. we, we kind of. You have a lot of <clears throat> letdowns from the junior years. Maybe you're you're seated and you lose. Maybe you're not seated and you should have beaten somebody that you didn't. How do you keep going uh, after you know loss after loss after loss? How do you find it in you to just? And a lot of players these days just sometimes feel like giving up because they feel they can't they can't do it after a couple of bad losses. How do you, how did you find that strength and determination to keep going no matter how many times you lost? That's great. You know, I, I have to really think about that question, but I think I have an answer to start with. Somehow, Alex, somehow, Alex, I believe and to this day believe that I'm born for greatness, you know, and, and that I, I will overcome and that I will be great, right? And so knowing that, maybe that was cultivated uh, for me as a child or maybe it's just something I was born with or combo, it's this internal reliance on myself. I was very independent as a baby also and as a child. But I, I know to this day that I'm going to be great. Whatever I want to do, I'm going to be the best, right? And I think no matter how many losses you, you take, you just know that you can pick yourself back up at some point. You're going to have the drive and the strength to do that. Um, and I think you could cultivate that feeling, actually. Uh, you know, I think... I think you could actually cultivate it uh, when you raise a child, when you have a coach, uh, when you have some great people behind you who tell you, and they make you believe it to your own. You know, where you can start really believing it on your own, saying, I want to be something great with my life. I think so, too. Knowing you the way I know you, uh, you're not obsessive at all about anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You, you will you will definitely accomplish something. Uh, you know, you, you brought up something very interesting, and that is uh, distractions. Uh, I have a, a yeah. lot of uh, young players that 
And I tell them about the distractions. Um, and one of them, especially with girls, being having a boyfriend. A lot of these girls want to have a boyfriend at 15, 16, 14 even years old, and they think yeah. they, can, they can handle a quote-unquote relationship at that age and still be able to focus on, uh, on playing a high-level tennis. Um, did you grow right. up with that notion of, of even thinking about having a boyfriend? Or? No, no chance. I mean, one, I'm Indian, so that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Until you know, way later. <laughs> but uh, uh, two, I mean, I, I want to say thank you to all those teenage boys that distracted these top girls with incredible talent and basically eliminated half of the comp- uh, competition for me because they just, boom, gone. As soon as they had that boyfriend, got distracted, off the tour. It was like they could not. There's no way at 14, 15, 16 you can handle that. So thanks, guys, because you made my, you know, you cleared the road for me, uh, really. I mean, if, you, if you're not interested, then these are the sort of things that you do. You know, you, you, you engage and try to say, you know, and you make excuses saying, oh, this is a balanced life that I can have. No, balanced life can have friends. Yes, you might be attracted to one of them or something. But you're 14, 15, 16, you have bigger fish to fry. You're not going to marry this guy right now. You might later, but if, if he's the one, he'll come back, you know. It's, I, I, really, I really am very much against it. I think it's the number one killer of dreams, uh, for tennis dreams, especially for young girls. It's the worst distraction. Um, uh, it just it, it breeds everything, you know, non-discipline, um, you know, late nights, not sleeping, eating pizza. You know, like those are the not things that you want to be doing when you're trying to be number one in the world. It's just like, it's just antithetical to everything you're doing. So... Uh, no, I mean, I would just basically say no, that's definitely not something I grew up with. In fact, in a way, I looked down on it and was very thankful for a lot of those girls I got distracted by because some of them were great. Some of them were such great athletes and so talented, but just super distracted and couldn't hold it together. And it was just literally like overnight, they just fell off the, uh, you know, junior circuit, um, you know, playing top tennis or whatever it was. And they were, I really thought they were going to be great champions. And and they they couldn't. They're not even playing junior tennis. I don't know where tennis is in their life and stuff now. Right. <clears throat> I tell them it's tough enough getting the maturity you need to to stay disciplined. Let alone the maturity you need to handle a quote unquote relationship at that age. You know. And uh, yeah. So I'm insist I'm going to have a yeah. definitely listen to this program and listen to your advice because obviously I don't know what I'm talking about sometimes. But uh, huh. <laughs> they uh, they insist. And so um, all we can do is, is put out the advice and hopefully they follow it. Um, so on yeah. that note, I, yeah. I heard a rumor that you may have somebody special in your life right now. You want to give us a little <laughs> bit of something out there? Yes, I do have somebody very special in my life. Uh, it's about time because, you know, <laughs> like you would always say, Alex, it's about time. It's about time. Uh, his name is Vyanj. <laughs> Uh, I he, he loves me so much. I I love him. I think I love him more. I don't know. It's it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's just a silly joke. Anyway, yeah, it's great uh, you to have somebody in your life. It's almost been about a year since I met him, and you know, in our tradition, it's something that will eventually get married. It's just a matter of when. Um, so I'm really lucky to have him. He's my rock. He's somebody who's very consistent. Who's very grounded. Uh, while I fly in the air with all these crazy ideas, you know, he holds me, he holds me, like, 
physically, yes, he holds me, <laughs> but he also holds me like emotionally together, uh, which is, I think we complement each other really, really well. So I'm, I'm happy because this is, this is something, it's, it's something I can experience now and appreciate now. You know, I didn't have it when I was 14, 15 years old, and it's just so great. It's, it makes, it just makes your heart open so wide, you know, when you really love someone so much. That is awesome, and you know, <clears throat> we're lucky that uh, we got a chance to meet him, and my wife and I liked him, and so we're very happy, happy for you. And Yes, definitely got the approval. <laughs> you know, you know uh, Hilda was going to be a tough tough judge there, and uh, yeah. and he passed. He definitely passed, passed he, Hilda's test. I so. think he passed really quickly, too. I think she, she likes him, like, a lot. That's really good. I'm really happy about that because she, she has a good eye. She has a good eye. Yes. She liked him right away. I definitely liked him right away. He's a great guy, and, and uh, you know, we wish you the best. Uh, wish you guys the best. And, Thank you. Uh, on that note, we're going to take a, a small small break. We're a little bit over time. So everybody hang on, and we'll okay. be back in a few minutes. Awesome. Taking a family of five to the amusement park can cost a small fortune. Oh, yeah. So to save some money, we thought, hey, let's bring the amusement park to us. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Uh, step right up. Step right up, young man. Are you ready to ride the Wacky Waterfall? That's just the bathtub with the shower head running. Nope. It's the Wacky Waterfall. It's the shower, Dad. Waterfall. Wacky. There's an easier way to save. To get a free rate quote, go to Geico.com. Then buy online, over the phone, or at your local Geico office. The Adidas Barricade 6 provides superior cushioning, support, and stability. Maximum durability is backed by a six-month guarantee. The choice of ATP professional Andy Murray, the Barricade 6 is the perfect shoe for the competitive player who needs to play at the highest level. The Adidas Barricade 6, the ultimate hardcore shoe. Available at TennisWarehouse.com, the ultimate equipment website. Little Caesars, home of the $5 hot and ready pepperoni pizza, now has a deep, deep dish pizza with eight crispy caramelized corner slices and even more cheese and pepperoni. So head on down and grab a large for just eight bucks and tell them Alan Varner sent you. They won't know who that is, but as a voice actor, I'm always trying to get my name out there. Check me out at alandoesvoices.com. That's A-L-A-N doesvoices.com. But first, get the new deep, deep dish pizza. It's hot and ready every day from 4 to 8 p.m. for just 8 bucks, only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations plus tax. Sam Query and John Isner, two of America's brightest tennis stars, rely on Prince. And more than 100 other ATP and WTA pros use Prince's XO3 technology. With large ports allowing the strings to move more freely, XO3 provides a better ball response all the way to the edge of the frame. The result? Better shots more often. From touring pros like Sam and John to players just starting out, Prince offers the perfect XO3 racket. Get your Prince XO3 racket today at TennisWarehouse.com, the ultimate equipment website. Chika Ubroy, all the way from Mumbai, India. 
getting me up very early in the morning on a Sunday. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's worth it, right? That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so we were talking about, uh, you know, discipline for these for these young players that uh, want to make, you know, one of, one of the jokes I tell Chica to some of these players, they say, I say, I say what's, your, what's your goal? And they say, I want to be number one in the world. And my question is, which world? Your world or the actual world? <laughs> Because right. as we know, right. that sometimes can be two totally <laughs> different worlds. Yeah. And, you know. <clears throat> it's always dramatic when they clash, too. <laughs> it is. Oh, gosh. It is. Yeah. It is. And, and, you know, that's, you know, kidding aside, that's sometimes when players end up quitting, is when they realize that, you know, the actual world hits them in the face and they're, they're the world in their head is just... Uh, not reality, you know, having the voice and having Twitter, Facebook, and doing all the things you want to do and trying to make it is just not realistic. And uh, it comes right. crashing down when they realize they can't have both. Right, yeah. It's uh, it's remarkable how that happens, and no matter how many times you tell somebody, you know, when you tell a kid or someone younger than you, hey, this is probably not a good idea, and, and, and it's, it, it, they're not going to learn until they, or they're not going to listen until they learn it for themselves. And that's that's a shame. And I think I'm lucky because I listen. You know, I, I listen. My, you know, my, my dad or mom set the rules of the family and the culture in the house. I think that's right. very very lucky that I listen because you know respect. They're they're they've got a lot more time on this earth wandering around than I did. So automatically they get, you know, they get respect. So if they tell me something uh, at that age, especially at that young age. I'm going to listen, and it's for my best interest. I mean, they're all there supporting my career, driving me and dropping me to tennis, and, you know, li- having a family live apart or whatever. And if it's going to be beneficial for everything, I'm going to do it. So it, it, it's a reflection of how badly you want something, right? It's right. really, if you want the guy more, you want the tennis more, you have to make a choice, right? And, and, and that's what happens, and that's, that's what happened to a lot of these great girls on the tour who are so good, but uh, they, they made a different choice. If it's what you want, it's what you want. That's a different story. Right. Yeah. You can't, you have, know, it. You can't uh, have both. Working with you uh, really taught me what, uh, and I've seen it before, but, but not firsthand, what it truly meant to to be dedicated and be a professional and uh, and listen. I mean, at, that, at your level of play, when we started working together, you had a lot of experience uh, with different coaches, and for you to accept as a new coach, and take direction was really impressive. A lot of players, uh, because they've been with so many coaches, basically they just want you to be their, their puppet and carry their bag and get their water and feed them balls. And you were different. You were actually mm. still, you know, learning and wanting to learn more things. And we made up, remember, the, the game Chipotle or, no, what was it? Uh, yeah. The mini tennis game. Yeah, a lot Mojo. Of Mojo. <laughs> Mojo and, and Chipotle, we, because we like both those things. Uh, those are our treat things. Yeah, we had all kinds of fun games. <laughs> Do you still owe me, Mojo? Just, just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come back all the way from Bombay and collect it. <laughs> yes, yes. I think I, I put some I, interest I, on it. I think you should just I, buy me a Mojo. Man, like the entire I might company. just buy your own franchise because that's about how yeah. much. And, and then I am in Mojo. Uh, you know, just for the record, I, I never really like losing to you. Um, full yeah. court, I could take losing to you because I couldn't hang. But mini tennis, I thought I was a little bit better. Uh, I'm still having to go to uh, therapy for that. 
Oh no. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. You know that's that's uh, uh, and kudos to you because you know we we had fun practices, but you were still in the process of learning, and you wanted to learn more how to get better. And uh, you know a lot of these kids these days they they think that uh, they're not very very coachable. They want to be coachable. They think it's a good idea to be coachable, but then they fight you on on learning. And uh, and you were different. You actually mm-hmm. wanted to learn more, and keep and keep improving. Well, I mean, when I met you, I wasn't number one in the world. I mean, no. so that's that's why I could still keep learning. And I think, had I even been number one in the world, or if I get there, I I don't think it ends because then I have to stay number one in the world. And you know, the thing is, right. you can't watch yourself. Somebody else watches you. Uh, somebody who's older, who's wiser, who knows something more. Everybody contributes to your growth, um, on court, off court. Uh, you know, I think. If, even if you're resistant towards taking that advice and making it a belief system or or acting on it, the, the the least you can do as a sign of respect to a coach who's out there with you in that hot you know Phoenix sun is at least listen. You know, then decide. Hey, this is something I'd like to do or not do. And you can, you can talk about it on your water break and say, you know, Alex, I don't necessarily agree that a forehand down the line was a better option there. I really think it's cross court. Here's why. Right? You can have a constructive dialogue. I don't. I, I think it's. It's a lot of arrogance, and it's a shame uh, that you're not number one in the world, and and, and you're uh, acting like it. And even somebody who's number one in the world acts more humble than a beginner, and th- and that's the beautiful thing. The, the the higher rank you are in anything, in any walk of life, that I've noticed, the number ones and the number twos, they're the ones that hold hold the doors open at the slams for everybody, for even the janitors. Right. They're the ones that go to the ball, Roger Federer would go and personally say, sorry, I need to cancel my court. And he would do it half an hour before if he had a practice court, right? So that spot could open up for someone else. He would do it personally. He wouldn't send a manager. He wouldn't send his wife. It was him. He'd always say hello. Like, and he's number one. You see, you see what I'm saying? So it's a major humility uh, that, <laughs> that needs to be inculcated if you're, you know, 15, 16. And, 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 and nobody acts like that, right? Even number one right. person. You know, I just read a, a story on <clears throat> Rafa Nadal, one of your one of your favorite players out there. That his uh, yeah. uncle Tony, since day one, makes him uh, get his own tennis racket. So he's got to take it himself. Uncle Tony won't do it. You know, Uncle Tony won't unless yeah. it's an emergency. Uncle Tony says, you, know, right. you, "You take care of your own business." And and Rafa does. You know, Rafa to this day. Uh, Nobody was allowed they, to carry our bags. It's the same thing. Like. If you if you pack a bag you can't carry and you're going to be on tour with that, your life is in that bag. Nobody should be carrying it. Nobody was allowed to, no matter how exhausted you were coming off the court. You got to carry that bag. You know nobody should be doing that for you. Nobody's your gopher. And um, those things weaken you. Actually, those things really weaken you. And when somebody does later on in life, you really appreciate what they're doing for you. Right. Absolutely. Um. So we're getting here close to the end of the show, unfortunately. Um, uh, but what, <laughs> we could literally probably, if, if we got a little personal, we could be on this call for for three hours talking about uh, all, yeah. all the experiences we went through. We had but, a lot of fun, um, guys. A lot of lot of laughter. <laughs> it was. It was. Now, uh, just to close up, tell us what uh, what you're working on and and how you see yourself going forward. With, what's in store for Sheikah in 2014? Okay. 
thanks. Okay, so this this is fun because now you know I can be uh, tennis and then and more than tennis right now. So uh, right now I'm launching um, an international social issue television show. I think there's a lot of unsung heroes all over the world, um, and there's a lot of great technology out there that we could shed more light on rather than just featuring them in documentary films. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm actually making a, a reality show, believe it or not, on social issues. So these two extreme worlds of reality show and the you know dirt and, and entertainment world to the pure purity of these great people you know living with these high ideals and principles, um, putting it all together on a platform. Uh, that's exactly what I'm doing right now, and it's really tough because I'm trying to meld black and white and find gray. So I'm I'm working here with the Viacom. Uh, family here, as well as some other uh, potential distributors uh, for this show. It's, it's really liked. It's very interesting. It's different. It's, there's an election coming up in India. It's something that's really going to mobilize a youth generation uh, and shed light on change. Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change you want to see. So I'm trying to feature all the people being the change they want to see and inspiring youth to get involved and push their country forward. Did I lose you? Shika, you still there? Yeah, now I hear no, you. No, yeah. we are still here. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's one thing that I'm doing um, with with launching this show and trying to make it happen. And in the meanwhile, I guess I found myself broken into the television industry from the creation side. So I started making other formats um, on on sports and fitness, something India needs very badly. So that's something that I'm doing as well. Um, I also uh, I believe in a big proponent as uh, Alex mentioned earlier um, in empowerment through sports so I speak a lot at these conferences and I hold that flag real high and, and all kinds of ventures uh, involving both media and sporting ventures to push that forward especially give them a better self of, uh, sense of self um, and then I'm also trying to do some presenting and maybe some hosting here and there which is there uh, it's just hard to do it consistently because I've got so much going on, um, so many different interests. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you're definitely going to have a busy 2014. We absolutely yeah. wish you, you know, <laughs> as always, uh, I can't see you just sitting there doing nothing. Um, no, no. <laughs> but uh, definitely wish you the, the best in 2014. And uh, you can follow Sheikha on Facebook and on Twitter. Is it twitter.com slash Sheikha Uberoy or is it just slash Sheikha? Yeah. Bo- uh, Sheikha Uberoy, both of them. Awesome. Uh, for, uh, for Facebook and Twitter, that's what it is. Follow Sheikha online. I'm sure she'll stay busy. And and uh, hope to get you back on the show here mid-year and let us know all the success you're having with all the shows. And hopefully, I'm sure all the players, all the fans out there would love to see you back on the court. Uh, playing some doubles. I'd love to be there too. Maybe winning a slam or two in doubles, that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> so thank you, Sheikha. Any last parting words for your fans out there? Oh, um, you know, I think my my fans have been so awesome throughout my entire career, and it's nice to finally be engaging with them. I actually didn't know they were out there until recently, so... Uh, you know, it's it's nice to connect, and I love their support, and I'm always so grateful for it, and I, I hope they can continue 
uh, following me through all my endeavors. Um, um, so that's for my fans. Also for the tennis, young tennis players out there, you know, keep your, keep your eye on the prize and do what it takes to get what you want. Be honest with yourself, knowing what you really want. And to, and to Alex and to the whole family, I love you guys. I miss you so much. And I can't wait to uh, be on the courts there with you back in Phoenix again soon. Awesome, Chico. We love you too. Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We hope you have a great Sunday. Get up and go to church. And uh, yeah. we'll, see you guys, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Everybody have a great day. Talk Thank to you, you later, Chica. Thank Bye-bye. You. Thank you. Bye.